Has it ever occurred to you, and it is something to be mindful of, that our churches are full of troubled and hurting people, with many unable to cope with household bills they are confronted with, and are wondering how to support their families after they lost their jobs. Others dealing with unresponsive or abusive partners. Still others having marital or other relational, emotional or mental problems. And how about those who just found out some bad news about their health? Can I just add that our church here is very caring and if any of these issues or problems are made known to our superintendent minister, that's Reverend Dr. Martin Atkins here, or the ministerial staff like Ali, Alison, Tony, Gordon, then of course, some form of help will be made available. But it is difficult to tell as people come to church wearing their best clothes and best smiles, with everybody looking happy. So we assume everything is just fine. Fine, by the way, means feeling in need of encouragement, which is what many may need really. So we have to look beyond the smiles and the facade and realizes that our churches are full of sick, lonely, lost, and frustrated people who are really looking for help, healing, and solutions to their problems. In the lesson we just heard from John, we are told in verse 1 that Jesus was in Jerusalem for a feast of the Jews. And at the sheep gate was a pool called Bethesda, which in Hebrew meant house of mercy. Surrounding this pool were the sick, lame, and paralyzed. Yes, hurting, lonely, sick and desperate people looking for healing and a way out of their problems. They were there because legend has it that an angel would on occasion come and stir up the waters of the pool and the first one to enter the pool after it was stirred would be healed. It was, of course, merely a superstition, but it was the last hope for many of these people. It is not unlike what is still found in many parts of our world today. According to legend, Prince Bladud, who founded the city of Bath in 863 BC, was cured of leprosy 
after bathing in its hot, muddy waters. Lourdes, as many of you know, in southern France, has a spa where many believe has healing properties. The shrine of Guadalupe in Mexico City, or Mejagore, are such places where thousands have visited and hoped for healing. Whether anyone is healed or not, the people come believing that there are hopes for healing in these places. As Jesus moved among the blind and the lame, he was particularly drawn to a man who had been ill for 38 years. We don't know how Jesus knew the length of time this man had been ill. Perhaps it was because Jesus entered into a conversation and spent some time talking and getting acquainted with him. It would only be normal to assume that Jesus engaged this man in conversation, just as he had engaged the woman at the well in Samaria in John chapter 4, because he wanted to change his life. Transformation of a person's life always seems to begin with a person engaging with Jesus. But from a careful study of this man and his condition, we learn much about ourselves. Some of you are here today because you are seeking divine encounter with Jesus for some form of healing or various other reasons. But this man didn't even know who Jesus was. Jesus asked him whether he wanted to get well in verse 6. Now, it might seem strange to ask this question, but Jesus always had good reasons behind his questionings. Being healed for this man will bring a lot of changes. He will be immersed in a society with many challenges by venturing out into the unknown. This meant that he would lose all his present securities and will have to be responsible for himself and find work. It would be the equivalent today of asking those who are on social security, family credits, other means of financial help or support and whose accommodation is paid for by the council if they were willing to give all that up in order to get well. To be healed for him really meant that he would enter into a completely new life, one with wonderful possibilities, but also with certain amount of risks. After 38 years, which is a very long time indeed, he would have accepted his condition and was content to scratch out his pathetic existence by begging. 
Being paralyzed was a help because people felt sorry for him. We can see by his response in verse 7 that he evaded to answer Jesus' direct question by stating, Sir, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I am trying to get in, someone else goes in ahead of me. You could just imagine the scene that, you know, this man is describing. Perhaps hundreds of men, women, even children scattered around this pool. And they would be, as the water is stirred, there would be this mad rush, shoving, pushing, screaming, even fighting to get there first. And every time this paralyzed man, unable to move, would lose out. You can feel and hear the discouragement and sense of hopelessness in his response to Jesus. How encouraging, though, that we don't always have to go to Jesus but that he too can visit us at our lowest times and bless us with his presence. But have you, like this man, been around that pool of despondency where you were in desperate need of a word of encouragement or needed some form of healing or even for someone to come around and lift you up? Did the healing refuse to happen? And with it, you became disillusioned? Well, just remember this. No matter how trapped you feel in your situation, God can minister to your deepest need. This is not to say that he will heal every problem immediately, though in some cases, he may do so, even miraculously, like he did for this man. But in others, he, because he's sovereign, he grants the power to endure the difficulty and to triumph over it or not. We should not let a problem or hardship cause us to lose hope because in Christ alone our hope is found. In verse 8, Jesus commanded the paralyzed man to pick up his mat and walk. Before this situation happened, the man did not recognize Jesus as a potential healer because his mind was firmly fixed on the supposedly curative powers of the pool water. Likewise, Jesus never discussed the pool or its alleged abilities to provide a cure. So the man now had a choice. He could either listen and ignore or listen and hope 
or he could listen, trust, and obey. As he chose to trust and obey, he, be he became a free man after 38 years in bondage. Like I mentioned earlier, we could learn a lot from this man and like him. Don't we all have these choices? Which, if we are honest, do we really choose to do? Do we really listen? Are we trusting and obedient? Or are we truly open to the guidance and promptings of the Holy Spirit during our challenges? Did you notice that he was healed not by the water he set his heart and eyes upon to perform his healing, but by Jesus, who is the real healer? You could just imagine him walking confidently past the community of infirmed who perhaps have become his family, friends, confidants, even enemies, who would have all been totally gobsmacked by his miraculous healing. Because if anyone would hit the pool first, it could never have been him before because of the way he was thinking. But now, after his encounter with Jesus, resulting in, in him being able to walk again or even run, he became the champion to beat, the new Usain Bolt, so to speak. He would beat them all. But wait. Is it not the case that not everyone is happy for you when healing or progress of any sort happens in our lives? Yes, it's happening with this man too. After his miraculous healing, the Pharisees questioned him in verse 12, who it was who told him to pick up his mat and walk because he was breaking the law. To the Jews, Jesus had committed a serious sin because he had healed a man who had a need on the Sabbath day. They didn't even know that Jesus was Lord of the Sabbath. In concluding, in verse 14, Jesus found him in the temple and warned him to stop sinning or something worse will happen to him. In effect, Jesus is pointing out to him not to take his healing for granted and to address his spiritual relationship with God. Jesus is also saying the same to us here. How is your spiritual relationship with God? Does it need healing or a spiritual overhaul? Ephesians 4, 7 to 8 and 11 states, but to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. Gifts to be apostles, evangelists, preachers, 
teachers, etc., to prepare God's people for works of service to build the body of Christ. I wonder whether the healed man who was banned for 38 years ever visited the community he left behind. As I could visualize a clear sense of call as an evangelist to share the good news of his healing through Christ, most especially to all those broken people who gathered helpless, helplessly around that pool, hoping for their healing breakthroughs from the, from the pool they all set their hearts and, and, their hearts and eyes upon. What an opportunity Jesus opened up for him to truly serve God by evangelizing Jesus to them, to persuade them to, persuade them to shift their focus from that pool. It is the same opportunity being extended to you and to me as we need just that one visit from Jesus to change everything. It could happen tonight, who knows? But we play our parts and continue to use the gifts and talents deposited in us in helping to build the kingdom. Jesus is asking you and asking me the same question he asked the healed man. Do you want to get well? The choice is yours and the choice is mine. Remember, Jesus never forces himself on anyone. So it is up to you and up to me to want to get well. Amen. So let's stand up and sing when we walk with the Lord in the light of his word. <laughs> 